Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, my name is Danilo Petrovic. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Janis Kudla. I'm Evgeny Donskoy. I'm Henry Laksana. I'm Peter Turepko and, and you're, you're listening, listening to the Game to Love podcast. Hey, welcome back tennis fans. Here we are for an uns- well unexpected podcast, I'd call this one, but it was a subject we were really bugging our minds about. This year, on the ATP and WTA, there seems to have been a ridiculous number of withdrawals, retirements, so many of these, like, I don't know, I've never seen anything like it before in a tennis season. And some people I've seen coming out are saying, ah, well, you get these all the time in tennis. Players have injuries and players sometimes can't play certain tournaments because they're tired from another one. I just don't think that that's it. I think there's something different going on in 2022 and it's led to mass retirements, mass withdrawals from competitions. And I can't quite put my finger on what's going on. Obviously, we had in Miami was, I think, I don't know if it was a record, we had on the women's side, this is just the retirements, not even withdrawals. We had Garcia, Zanevska, Azarenka, Galfi, Kalanina, Mukova, Kalinskaya, Siniakova, Badoza. And that's just the women's side. And then on the men's, we had Struff, Opelka, Yannick Sinner as well. That's a crazy amount of players to have withdrawn or retired from just one event. And this doesn't even include the players who like pulled themselves out of the event before it even began. The sort of the tournament nearly fell apart. If it wasn't for people like your Carlos Alcarazes or your Igor Sviontek, that tournament wouldn't have been much. I say that. I mean, this is going to be a really fascinating episode. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. There's a lot to get into. I bet think Ben did a good summary there talking about Miami, Indian Wells as well. 
Their sunshine double, there were so many players withdrawing. You had players quitting midway for a match. We had Nisimova storm off. We had Azarenka not finish her match as well. There seems to be a bit of a vibe at the moment in tennis that players, A, are withdrawing. So they're, they're placing the draw and then withdrawing before the, uh, the tournament begins. You've got them either playing one round and then sort of pulling out, or you've got them playing a match and then withdrawing when they start losing. And that's just the way I, I've been seeing it recently. And I'm trying to put my finger on exactly what is happening in 2022, different to other years. Why are players feeling the need to not really want to play tennis so much? Because there's certainly something in the air. And I think you can probably attribute it to a lot of different factors. These are just my theories I'm going to throw out there. So as we all know, we've been through very torrid times of COVID and the way people are living their lives has changed dramatically. You look in, in America... All of the podcasts I've been watching at the moment, there's a big thing with jobs. Uh, there's so many vacancies and people do not want to return to their jobs. Seems to be a bit of a vibe at the moment, particularly in the US. I'm seeing it in England as well at the moment. Um, if I want to change my job in finance and go get another one, there seems to be a lot out there. People aren't really valuing what they had before because they've been shown another side of life, I feel. Being at home with their family, uh, girlfriends, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunties. And I don't feel there's been a bit of a switch there, definitely. With regards to the tennis, let's look at this year what's happened. Ashley Barty, world number one, shockingly, after just winning the last Grand Slam, has retired from tennis altogether. You've got Andreescu, one of the hottest prospects on tour not too long ago, unsure about, I forget her quote-unquote, was it the motivation for her to get back on tour right now? Um, yeah. She's not feeling in the right head. I think it was that she's not in the right headspace to be playing tennis. Naomi Osaka, been very hit and miss. Klachikova, I know she's had a few injuries, but doesn't seem to be wanting to get playing tennis. You've got Muguruza doing a tour of Africa at the moment. Um, no injuries. She's just living her life. She doesn't want to, not, not really bothered about playing tennis, it seems. Something's happening. I don't care what anyone says. It's not coincidence. It's happening on the men's as well. On the women's, it's a little bit more uh, prominent. If, to be honest, because there's yeah. so many more sort of high-profile names. You've got Sophia Kenyon. I know she's struggling with form, but doesn't seem to have the motivation. She got hit the top, won Grand Slams, and sort of fallen all the way back down. Have these players just got... Are they? What is, what is the reason why they are not continuing playing an actual career of tennis and playing a full calendar of events? They don't seem to want to play tennis. I think that's the strange thing that everybody's trying to get their head around at the moment like these are not just normal jobs that we're talking about here that we're saying obviously there's been people who were like waiting staff and people like that who are like not wanting to go back to their jobs since the pandemic sort of calmed down but it seems to have like translated over I think into the tennis world as well and maybe other sports too I mean I'm not I don't see it as closely with other sports but with tennis it's such a worldwide sport and they are on tour for such a long time and they've had such well they've had such a great time I've from what I've seen via people's Instagrams and via people's Twitters and stuff like that during like the whole pandemic is the one of the best times some of them have had in years like they've actually been spending so much time with their family, their friends, like that type of thing, and being close to their like loved ones, so to speak, that 
going back out on the tour again is probably a bit of a shock. And I, I think that's pars- partially why Ash Barty has retired as well. I think she's been somebody who was always said that she got a bit homesick anyway. And that's probably just confounded it. It's just now made her realize, yeah, that's not really what I want to do. And I think it is a realization. People are sort of picking and choosing now. Do Is this worth it? Is this worth my while getting injured? Is this worth my while really entering this tournament? Is like As long as I'm maybe, say, still seeded for the next grand, or I'm still in the running to play the next Grand Slam, do I need to play this tournament? Am I going to pick up any points? Am I dropping any points? Like All of these sort of questions around the tour now, I think that there's going to be people getting questioned is your heart really in it that much? Because there's certain players I'd, you can't question. Someone like Aniga Sviantec, someone like your Carlos Alcaraz, people like that who quite clearly want to win as much tennis, uh, well, as many tennis matches as possible. But there's other people out there like you alluded to, get halfway through a match and they just go, I think I'm done. Nah, I'm, I'm done with this match now. And just walk off. And I think that's a, there's a big difference, though. I know what you're saying, but I don't, wouldn't want to get it mixed up with the withdrawing and actually people committing to an event and then retiring early. I think that that sort of pose that's a different question altogether. They're not retiring early because they want to go see their family and spend another 20 minutes with them. I don't think that's a factor in it. I think Kathy makes a really good point. She's saying before the pandemic, jobs and making money were a priority. After having time to reevaluate, people realize there are more important things than money and killing yourself at a job that doesn't give a rat's ass about you. Um, certainly, yeah. I completely agree with that. One thing I want to say, though, they're tennis players and you've got the opportunity to make fortunes and a lot of money, especially if you're at the top of the game. And all the players I have mentioned, say like a Muguruza, she has the ability to make so much money playing tennis. I mean, a lot of people would give their right arm for that opportunity. Yeah. Like, I think it, generally, yeah. it's a very lucky, fortunate... I don't, I don't want to say lucky, because she's done a lot of hard work to get herself to that position. I don't think it is luck. That's probably the wrong word to use. But she's in this position, and she's not really utilising it very well, because she's a real talent. Why is she not playing tennis? Well, Why exactly. is she not playing tennis? I, I don't think that's because of her employers are treating her bad. I feel like a lot of the sort of the top athletes in tennis are being treated great, if I'm honest. Sort of from top from one to, say, 50... They're treated very well. Maybe if you look a bit past the top 100, they could be a little bit more done for them. And I think Ben made a really good point about the points. Our players who are in these sort of top, uh, sort of top 30, top 40, they're going to be allowed entry into a Grand Slam. And if they've got enough points, they're, they're skipping events. They're just getting enough points to get them, get themselves by to get in a Grand Slam, and that's where they make oh. a, a large amount of the money. Oh, All yeah. of their money is predominantly made in the Grand Slam. But it seems a very broken system. And then a time when we've got a lot of high-profile high players, especially on the men's, retiring and coming to an end of their career, most notably yeah. the big three with Renka, Songa, Andy Murray, Marin Cilic, not got that long either. These guys who we've sort of been growing up watching, they're coming to an end. We need a new sort of lease of life, life in tennis. I don't think this is helping at all. It's terrible. And I think the attitudes of a lot of these players need to change to sort of put a bit more love into the game and for ultimately for fans to, to, to start like loving it again. Because if the players are showing that they don't really, they're not too bothered and they're just doing just the bare minimum to get by, then how is anyone going to fall in love with the sport? And I'm not, I'm not making, a, I'm not criticising them. 
I'm not. I don't want to this, make this up as like I'm really against all the players and what they're doing, because I can understand that the situation we've been in with COVID and stuff. It has changed mm. people's perspective. It's changed my perspective on life. Changed yours as well. So yeah. I know about that. I just feel the, this current state we're in, and doing a tennis podcast, we have to talk about it. Is not healthy and it's not good for the for the future and direction of tennis. No, I think I think you're right. Uh, that is the one thing I was going to say as well. It does sort of worry me that we're in a transitional period at the moment, and there there could this is the one time, and you only get probably one time to try and win over some tennis fans or some some fair weather fans, let's say, or people who are new to the sport who are just joining. This might be their first introduction to. Uh, the new breed of tennis players who are coming through. And this could be the people who they watch for the next 20 years or so. If this is what's happening when you're just getting on board with tennis, it's not going to really like a- attract you that much. You're just going to be seeing the, the the tail end of Rafa and Novak and, and, and Roger and Serena, people like that. And then other than that, you're just going to have like a couple of wonder kids. And that's what we've got at the moment. We've just got one on each side, it looks like. And everybody else, I don't know. That it's in a little bit of a worrying sort of state for me. I, I, there's not many people that are drawing the crowds. And I, I well, I allude to that interview you sent me earlier with Bublik after his matchup with Stan Wawrinka, where he was very honest, and I, I liked his interview. I think he is a very uh, honest-spoken guy, and he just said that he played terribly. Uh, he didn't deserve to win that match, really. Stan would beat him if he was actually fully fit. But he alluded to it. He, he said the same thing. There's a clampdown at the moment as well. Maybe this is some something to do with it. There's a lot of clampdown from the, the governing bodies on all of the actions of the tennis players as well. They're sort of trying to stop them being themselves in a way. I think that's what he was sort of alluding to. Like, if you can't have your personality out on the court, which is the thing that draws in a lot of the fans like Kyrgios and his like outbursts and all that. If you try and silence all of this from the game, is it just going to become mundane anyway? And will will people want to watch if it is just, I don't know, some people big serving? Like if it was Nick Kyrgios without the antics, is he as exciting? I don't know. Yeah, you make a really good point. But how does this relate to why tennis players are withdrawing? Well, I'm, that's what I was saying. It could be something to do with that. You don't know. Like in the in the long run, at the moment, there's this big push on changing all of the rules, sort of oh, okay. around how pl- how players can act on a tennis court. And we've seen, obviously, the main people, the main culprits, are always the same people all the time. So could you but, could you argue that some of the players are finding it a little bit dull to be on tour? Well, that's what I and mean. They're finding that it's a bit too much of a regimented uh, regime. And they're unable to express themselves as human beings and act in a very robot, robotic fashion. Well, some don't um, even like tennis. We know we've but, spoken well, let's to talk people. about that then. So we've got Davor in, makes a really good point. Even the older players like Murray and Chilic, Murray has no right to be playing tennis with what he's been through. He's he, this is why you can't criticize the guy too much. And I'm no. I'm guilty of it at times as well, complaining that he always gets wild cards. But he generally has a passion for tennis. Otherwise, he wouldn't be there. He's got enough money. He'll have a great career, whatever he does, if he stops playing tennis and coaching or whatever venture he wants to go into, journalism. 
But he, he, he decides he wants to continue to play tennis because he loves it. Marin Tillich, exactly the same. And yep. these are real treasures of the sport. And people have a lot more, a lot of respect for, especially in times like this, when you see a lot of other players, without saying names, um, just really not sort of half-assed. They can't really be bothered. Um, you've got 12 Travel 21 saying the high-profile players make more money from endorsements than tennis. In yep. 2020, Roger topped the Forbes Sports Earner list with 91 million. Uh, good good stat there, 12 Travel. And he's yeah. saying very little of that was from tennis. And I mean, it's the same with all of them. They don't need to. Muguruza doesn't need to play tennis. She makes quite a bit from endorsements. Radu Kanu, does he have any desire to really become a top player ever again? I'm not writing her off. I know she's young. But does she have any desire inside of her? Does she I have any right want now, to be there? Right now, it's obviously she's being sort of pulled left and right. So it's a bit difficult to really judge her on her tennis uh, ability this year, the first year after she won a Grand Slam. I mean, I think once that's died down a bit and the press maybe get off her case a little bit and start following maybe Alcaraz around or Eager around, like following somebody else around with the, and she's not in the limelight as much, we'll get to see what she's really made of on the tour. But to go back to what you were saying there, where people can sort of get like the points that they require, the it's the points that they require. They need a, as I think it's just so many wins. I saw somebody in the live chat on one of our other podcasts. They were talking about it. They're saying that Kyrgios only needs to get a certain amount of wins or enough points so he can stay at a certain ranking, so he can get into certain tournaments, so that he can keep his sponsorships. Yep. And that's like the main, his main aim on tour because he's very, he's very honest about it as well. And I don't have a problem when people are brutally honest. He says, I do this because it's like my job. Like I'm good at it. I don't ever want to be the best at it, but I'm good at it and it earns my, me living. So I'll do yeah. it the way I want to do it. Look at this cute comment from Freya. Uh, more yeah. and more, especially young players, aren't interested in making history. They treat oh. sport just like a job and they care to make enough money to have a luxurious life. Well, the chapeau was another example because from uh, that uh, press conference he had after a match, and he just sounded just so happy. He's just like, "I'm just blessed. Just this is my job, and uh, I just get to do this for you know, on a daily basis and get paid well for it." So, so if that's your attitude, then we're not going to have much competition really between like the next generation of tennis. It looks like it'll just be Alcaraz versus the rest. If the if you've really got that much or that little drive in you to actually become the best, I, th- I wouldn't say it the same for everybody, obviously. There's obviously players out there like, I'd say Medvedev has a lot of drive in him. He looks like he works his socks off on the tennis court. So I wouldn't tar everyone with the same brush. You say that, but recently after he won, no, sorry, after he lost the final against Rafa in the Australian Open, well, he said the story about the boy who yeah. lost, lost the love for this game. He said he lost the love of the of the game in that moment because the crowd weren't supporting. They, they were cheering really against him um, in a bit of a bad nature at times, I must admit, sort of especially attacking sort of the Russian element of him. I know yeah. that's Medvedev's fault. That's where he's born. Have a little bit more respect. But yeah, we're in really tough times, I must admit. Uh, let's have a look at another comment. We've got some loads of good comments coming in. Yeah. Keep them coming in. I'm trying to read them out. But there's a lot coming in. Ashley saying, I agree. I fell in love with the sport because of the players. I love tennis, but there aren't many players who inspire me anymore. Uh, House of Leafs thinks maybe they didn't practice enough during the pandemic, so they're getting injured more. It's another possibility, yeah. Yeah, that's a valid reason. 
uh, obviously your your body becomes accustomed to that that the wear and tear of the tour, and you become like battle hardened. Let's say you have a couple of years off from that, you go a bit soft. Remember when we were talking to Kudlu, he said he was saying uh, he gets like piano player's fingers or something. <laughs> if he has too long off tennis, he's going to have to re get redevelop all the. Yeah, blisters. you lose the what's it called in your. In yeah, your like hands. The, the calluses. The calluses, yeah. that's the word. Exactly. We've got, so. we got Milan in saying people in general are becoming softer and softer. More and more they're looking for an easy way out of things if they don't go their way. I think that probably, I think you can factor that in uh, to a level and I'm guilty of it too. Certainly part of the younger generation who maybe are, I don't know, I feel we do complain a little bit more. We always are looking for an easy way out. I mean, I wouldn't be too critical of the younger generation. We are in, I feel we've been given a very impossible task uh, economically. I'm not going to get into it on the politics of everything of sort of being able to get on a housing ladder uh, and to be economically stable. But with these tennis players, they are provided a brilliant opportunity. If you are a top player and really good at your craft, say like a Naomi Osaka, you have the ability to make fortunes, be one of the most paid players ever. Does she have much desire? Well, it's been it's been in question recently. It seems to be coming back a little bit now. Yeah. Um, but there's there's so many examples of it. There really is. Azarenka walking off a match the other day. We had Anisimova just uh, pulling in the uh, throwing in the towel and walking off midway for a match, just giving up on it altogether. There's a lot of instances on the men's as well now. We've got Berrettini pulling out of all of these events. Granted, a lot of these cases, of course, will be genuine injuries. And I'm not criticising any player for having a genuine injury. I can totally understand that. But I feel like even when we was watching Sinner Serendolo the other day, in which was, what was it, the semi, was it the quarterfinal Quarters, of, yeah. of Miami? Yep. Sinner didn't have like a medical timeout. He was 4-1 down in the first set. And it was a blister, wasn't it? On his Yeah, it's it just a bad blister on his foot. And I can understand so... blisters be bad, but surely you'd try and treat it or... There doesn't seem to be much resilience and fight from these players. They seem to just want the easy way out. And they know that they make quite a bit of money. They're not, they're not going to withdraw from an event because if they get knocked out in the first round, they make quite a, they make quite a nice, healthy whack. And that for them, that's enough. I mean, you make you make a lot of money if you're just able to keep your ranking just at a good enough level, get into the Masters, go out every round, first round or second round. And then you're fine. You don't, there's, not much, there's not much drive. I'm not seeing from many players. I know Alcaraz is a bit of an exception at the moment. I'm not seeing much drive from anyone to reach the top and stay there. And when you do reach the top, Sophia Kenin, there's no... I can't see them maintaining it or keeping it. Andreescu got to the top. Where's she now? She's yeah. she's, she's struggling to sort of get back onto the tour. Muguruza's travelling around Africa at the moment, taking pictures on Instagram. Fair play. I mean, having a great life. <laughs> World number one, and what's she up to? Yeah, but she's not playing <laughs> then. But Dosa seems to be oh, hot and injured. cold every week, injured sometimes, not really. Yeah. Well. But these injuries, you've she got to start sick, question: man. Why is everyone so injured all of a well, sudden? There was a the, there was a thing as well, which uh, apparently there may have been like a sickness going around, which both Badoza may have caught during the the Miami uh, tournament, but because she managed to struggle through one and then decided she wasn't even going to play the, the match before, but she decided to play it and then won and then still was sick for the next match and gave it a go. I mean, she could have pulled out before, but she went on court, just went to what, five games, realised that she 
just not in a fit state. Yep. So maybe it's maybe it's something to do with that. I've seen some. Uh, I saw some tweet earlier on, which was uh, quite funny. Uh, let, let me. I can bring it up for you. I yeah, know, bring it up. Is, well, this, while you're this, doing this... that, I've got a few more I want to read out. We've got Kane Shikori at home. He's making fortunes. Of course, one of the best players from Japan doesn't really have much urge to get back to the tour. This will throw um, the cat amongst the pigeons. I thought you'll be like, "Why did you bring this one up?" Well, I'm interested to see what you're going to share now. So you know, there have been retirements in tennis every single week from men and women for decades for so many reasons: muscular, heat stroke, stomach virus, blisters. But in 2022, according to the anti-vaxxers, paranoia, every single retirement is because of the vaccine. Well, we've got this as well. So we've got this theory to fight. <laughs> I mean, I've had a lot of people come to me and say the reason why this is happening. Isn't it a coincidence that everyone's been taking vaccines and booster jabs and everyone's getting ill? Come on, that's you're just spreading misinformation. You are, you really are. We don't know for a fact before people are going to jump down my neck from what I'm saying. We don't know factually if they're incorrect, so we can't prove it. But I think it is a bit, it's a bit of a convenient thing to suggest just to sort of, sort of get out of a free cut of jail card. Well, I know if I don't bring it up, the comment section is going to be full of it anyway. So I'll bring it up for all of you people who like to leave it in the comment section, just so that we've got it in there. Because just in case you thought we were trying to avoid some of those comments so we do we do see them in there but without any real proof you can't just be throwing these allegations around unfortunately yeah you've but... got uh, that goon is saying when you go from a covid induced year when you're at home with family and then go through uh, an almost 11 month season it's gonna have a knock-on effect i mean maybe it is just a real um a reason like that a genuine reason of the maybe, fact yeah. that players having the rest now not doing very much to then be playing it's going to create a little bit more injuries but then how does it explain not even giving it a go to begin with and what's and not I don't turning understand, up. what's what's with the recent tournament as well obviously that we're just uh moving yeah, into Monte, Monte Carlo do you want to talk about yeah that's what I was going to say and obviously I was sort of laughing with you earlier today as we we watched our brackets fall apart before any a ball had even been hit. So we'd seen obviously Batista Agut, he withdrew, Garin withdrew, Monfils withdrew. <laughs> and yeah, so this is today. I mean, three players I had going for in my bracket, all of them withdrew before hitting a ball. You, there's more than normal. I don't care what anyone says. This is something which is happening right now. A bit of a trend. A lot of players are pulling out of events before even hitting a ball. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Have they just? What's going on here? What What is honestly going on? It is really upsetting me. We got yeah. Nusali who did thanks for the super chats and for yes. millennials and Zoomers. <clears throat> there's no upside to struggle. Well, this is a. Sort of a valid point, I think. And like I think you, you were can saying. probably relate this to the whole world at the moment. It's not just yeah. tennis. This point is it? Well, we're getting like you sort of alluded to it a minute ago as well. Just saying, getting a little bit soft. Like that's the way that the world is becoming as well. Everyone's like, and I think this isn't just in the physical being. It's in the mental side as well. It's in everyone's offended by everything all the time now. There's like that they're, they're ruining all like little parts of society like comedy is not the same anymore those type of things everything's not quite the same and everyone needs to be probably a little bit tougher like it was back in the world let's say like you look at football players for example go back to the 80s 
that was proper football. These days, I don't even know what they're playing on that pitch. It's and and probably similar to tennis as well. Like there wasn't the same scrutiny over someone like McEnroe having his outburst on court. But now, when someone like Kyrgios does it, well, fair enough, he does it on a regular occasion. Yeah, but can't really. Do, I think. I think it's a bit cheap. Everyone sort of trying to defend Kiros and say, I know I understand what they mean. I understand what Bublik meant today. It's great that he does bring more eyes to, to us, to the sport. And I'm not against a lot of his antics. Some of them recently have just been a bit boring and tiresome. And I'm not going to stick on it and say, Oh, why don't everyone just become a bit more curious to sell the sport? He's childish and it's boring watching him keep doing moaning. I think it's about the same conditions. Though, it? It's too repetitive. If you want to try and be, you need to sort of uh, come up with a new gag. I feel like yeah, like, getting a bit <laughs> I was boring. Say the same. It's like a catchphrase almost. involving the crowd and doing. It's just it's becoming the same. I've seen this. I've seen it so many times before. It's like a movie you've seen three times. You keep watching it. You know the ending. I was going to say it's like going to watch uh, Mansour Barami on the court. He does his trick shots. If you've been to see him once, he does the same trick shots the next time you go and see him as well. It's, maybe it's the same with Kyrgios, but except for he does some of the trick shots, but he just throws a few F-bombs in there and uh, has a go at the umpire just for yep. uh, the crowd's benefit. And then smash a racket up and a fan's got uh, something to go away with, a little keepsake. Yeah, I want to bring another name into this as well, discussion. Dominic Team. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to be too critical on him. I know he's had injuries. I know he's had COVID. Since he won the US Open, though, I do believe, and I've seen some other accounts suggesting the same thing, he's been suffering with something called imposter syndrome. He felt, after winning that big title, mm. that he did not belong at the very top of the head of the table in tennis. And he was struggling to come to terms with being a Grand Slam champion and competing week in, week out. He has spoken about this. I'm not just bringing this out of thin air. No. He spoke about his um, struggles uh, mentally. We, we, we sp- I remember we was doing a story at the time, his mental struggles with tennis as well, after he yeah. won the Grand Slam. So you've got to be looking at this in so many aspects. It seems like this generation of tennis players, across the men and women, so both sexes, are not, they don't have the same conviction as previous generations in terms of creating history they seem to be there to be able to do just enough to make their money do their job and be done with it we're losing the love for tennis we're losing something very very special and unique and that is that will be soul-wrenching if it fully goes but thankfully we do have some younger players who are sort of carrying the flag for that and I'm going to be fully behind it but I think this is a bit of an emergency podcast. I do feel like we are in a bit of, I don't want to over-exaggerate. It's not too terrible. It's probably I'm making out, but I feel we are in a bit of a turning point and it's good to raise and sort of raise attention to this now before it becomes a bit too late because I know we've only got a small following, but let's get people together and try and do, try and force some kind of change, a positive change in the sport. Well, I agree. And the one thing that people need to realize where they've sort of fallen down like they've they've or missed the opportunity let's say do you see carlos alcaraz he's only he's only won a masters tournament do you see the buzz that he gets around him from the way he conducts himself on a tennis court and the the sort of the passion that he shows like that that translates to tennis fans out there the way he comes across as a player that could be any of you, any of those top players. If you want to behave like the same way he does, and if you want to have that same drive and that same likability that he is drawing in, 
and show the same attitude on the court as he does, you'll get that same reception, guaranteed. Like someone like Zverev, you could have that same, just get rid of the off-court antics, get rid of the on-court antics and replace it with amazing tennis and show you're a likable personality and be at one with the fans and give them something to like you for. They will. And they'll follow you in droves. I think it's a bit too far gone for Zverev. He's got a lot Maybe. of yeah, the harassment caught. Like, this is what I mean. Hanging there's over his head. Other people could... There's a gap right now which can be filled. And people... Would, it's their chance to step up. And people at the moment are stepping down. They're just saying like, oh, someone else can do it, actually. I don't know if I... I, I, I get paid all right. I still do well. well. I think... De- uh, and I'll tell you a man who typifies this... Um, with some of his recent tweets, even 12 travel 21 highlighting it. Benoit Pair, mm. uh, he was recently trolled for his constant first round losses and he tweeted his career earnings and remarked something like, It pays to be useless. I remember that tweet. Yeah. He just said how much he's made. And ultimately, there's, there's something clearly wrong, man. But I don't know how, I don't know how you can change it. And then- I'm not sure. I don't, there's no, I don't really see an easy, an easy fix because it seems to be, in just the way people are nowadays. Well, he said that, didn't he, on call as well? Well, that would seem to be his answer to everything, really. When he's just every time he wants to do what he what he does what he wants to do on a court, and he just goes, "Ah, I do what I want. I give you money, and it's okay." Like, well, is that the solution to everything? Like, you just do what you want, and then just pay. That's the that's the bad thing that goes on in the whole of the world, unfortunately, for the upper classes. They pay just to brush everything under the carpet that's not the solution just having money and just that doesn't no one gains from that in the in like the whole tennis world all you're doing is just ruining people who came out to support you maybe fellow french fans of tennis maybe people fans of you yourself because he is actually a likable person when he actually wants to play tennis but unfortunately it's the same with Kyrgios as well i actually support him like to watch him i thought he was going to win uh houston no, guess what? Temper tantrum and ruin the tournament. And then I'm just sat there thinking like, why did I even watch that match? Just ruined right at the end, just by him. Just sad. I think, I think there's a, a lot of different issues sort of coming to light in this podcast. And we've definitely gone a little bit off topic with things. But I think what we're saying does make sense. And it is from two tennis fans who have a heart and who love the sport and ultimately just want the best for it. Right now, there's no two ways about it. Whatever event it is, you're just seeing players withdrawing before they've played. They're entering a tournament and they're not playing it. You've got players not really returning to tour. You've got the world number one, Ashley Barty. Listen, I'm not going to... Amazing player. Incredible. The best she was. Brilliant. Just packed, just packed it in all together, the sport. And I think that does set presence when you have the number one tennis player packing it in... Um, for no real apparent reason. It wasn't really given a clear one, was we? Um, mm. I think that just that, that speaks volumes. Well, when you see from the... I'm not going to dig up the past, so to speak, but we obviously had the whole thing with Djokovic at the beginning of this year. Somebody... You can see it from both ways. Somebody who's really trying to go and play tennis. Other people would say, well, he knows how he could have gone and played tennis. That whole thing is... That's that took away from the whole tennis world for about a month. Like it wasn't even we didn't it was tennis wasn't tennis for a month. We were supposed to be building up to a new year of tennis, and all we had was the Novak Djokovic saga leading up to the Australian Open, which 
luckily was saved by the final of the Australian Open being an epic match that sort of meant you forgot about that saga for a second. But it did sort of dominate the start of the year. And I don't think it started us off well for a uh, for a good year of tennis. No. And we haven't seen Djokovic, really. We've seen him once, and he didn't look back to his best at all. Uh, hopefully he's better now. And maybe that's the catalyst we need. Maybe we get some bigger matchups now. He's coming back. I just hope that there's some good tennis on the horizon. And I, he's not the type who will. Like, people, obviously, that for injury only, that him, Rafa those big players would ever pull out of tournaments. You wouldn't see them pulling out for for other reasons, I don't think. Yeah, I'm going to name another man, uh, Philippe Krajinovic. Mm. I think I think the problem, what you could call these type of players, journeymen, I feel I feel they're not... Listen, yeah. you can't really criticise them because if that's what they want to do, fair play to them. But seeing as we do do a tennis podcast, I feel we have some kind of right to speak about them in a way that how we feel with regards to their tennis and their career and whether or not they can create history. And he has the ability to. I think he's class. Remember last year watching him play against Djokovic? I forget exactly where it was. Um, really good match. He almost took the first set, it's lost Indian it in the tie-break. It was last year. I remember, I remember, and he lost it in the tie-break, I believe. It was a great match. And I was just watching Kronovic thinking, this guy has real talent. He's a young guy on tour. Since then, I feel like he picks and chooses tournaments. He plays every now and then. He had a very half-assed performance today against, or was it yesterday or today, against Lajovic in Monte Carlo. Picks events here and there. He's getting about 40 in the world, 50 in the world, so he can get into the Grand Slams, no issues. Play the events he wants. He needs to probably get a few good events under his, under his, um, under the, in the, in the bag in a year to make sure he maintains his level. But I think we're seeing a lot more of an attitude and a shift towards players like that than seeing people who are really trying to push themselves and reach the next level and create a name for themselves in the sport and write themselves in the history books. Definitely. And this is highlighted, I think, even more. Like Obviously, last week was a prime chance for somebody else to go and win a tennis tournament in Marrakesh. Like, this was, it was wide open. Instead, look who comes back. Somebody who's been not in good form at all, David Goffan, just thinks, well, if no one else is going to, none of you uh, youngsters want to come up and uh, take this tournament, I guess I'll come through and I'll uh, I'll come back and win this. And well played to Goffan, but I think that tournament probably could have been taken by somebody else if they really wanted it. But I don't think anybody wanted it as much as Goffan. Obviously, in that tournament, we had Felix. He went out to Molkan. Like you had, uh, who else did you have in there? Van der Zandstrup. We had Musetti in that tournament. Went out to Ger. There's a, a lot of promising young players in that tournament. It's just like Talon Greek Sport out as well. Disappointing. Like, but well done to Goffan for winning it. But I'm just disappointed that didn't really get to see any of those uh, good young players do well in that tournament. Molkan and, did well. Yeah, Molkan did well. I, I agree. And he's somebody who's always tried hard. He's he's 24. He's like, but you've got. I think someone... we both called that though as well, didn't we? Before we yeah. had him both, we both had him beating Felix in our brackets. We do believe a lot in him. Great player, and he. Yeah. They're, they're, don't get me wrong. There's some really exciting talents, and I'll be honest. Sort of the last few weeks, I know we had the Sunshine Double. It's been good. I've been enjoying it. We've got Monte Carlo on right now. I'm trying to watch as many matches as I can do. Um, today was okay at times. Didn't mind it. Um, but my, I've sort of been more drawn to the challengers. I seem to see a little bit more passion from them for guys. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of names. I'm really sort of interested to see where the future, uh, what, it, what it brings for them. But you've got to still have, we're not doomed yet. And I think you've got to still look at the tours and think these guys are extremely talented. I think we are in a generation with the advancement of sort of technology and health um, where we are seeing the best tennis we've ever seen. I'll go as far to say that. I think there's an array of really good tennis players. I think the women's tour recently has been taking a bit of a hit because there seems to be mm. a lot of the high-profile names in sort of the Ashley Barty retiring. Sabalenka can't hit a serve. Svitolina, not sure where she is. Uh, no, sorry, Svitolina injured. Muguruza, not sure what she's doing, where she is. Um, it's a bit messy, the women's tour right now. Krajikova won Roland Garros last year. We're coming into the clay court thing. She's a brilliant clay court. I'm not sure where she is either. Um, and it seems to be very confusing what's happening there. The, the, the young talents in Leila Fernandez and Raducanu have they pushed on since that? Not at all. No, not really. They haven't. They haven't improved since the U.S. Open. Let's be honest. I'm. I, I said I was going to say this is a perfect opportunity for people. If you are feeling like ah, this is it's sort of winding you up, having to watch uh, some of these people who getting paid well but then their heart doesn't seem in it go and try and watch some challenger tennis i'm telling you now like if you'll be seriously impressed by the level there and it could be the next that they could be the next great players remember a year ago carlos alcaraz was playing in a uh, challenger in portugal and that's how much he has risen other players karatsev he was playing in challengers well, like a, 18 months ago, all of these players like Van der Zanschlup, he's he's now at the forefront in every ATP event. The Serendolos, like all of these people have come from hard fought cha like challenger matches. Just go and make sure you watch some of these matches because some of these players are incredible. I even had a look down through like some of the uh, some of those players in Zagreb from last year. Sebastian Baez, Valias. Selendolo, Pedro Martinez, we've got um, uh, Mih Mihailovic, Van der Zanschlup, Say Both Wild, like all of these, and Federico Correa as well, as Damiajuma, Tobio. Yeah. They've made, they've made the transition a lot of these, definitely. I mean. like, all of those are now players that we see in regular ATP tournaments. So if you go and focus on that, you could watch their like ascent through tennis like we have done with certain players as well. I mean, it's exciting when you get to see them finally progress from the challengers up into the ATP tournaments and you get to see them. Yeah, like that Guna, great to great point that out. Jack Draper storming them. Yeah, amazing. And look how many he's been winning. And he's going to now make the jump, hopefully soon, into the ATP events and hopefully start doing very well it's in British those. history. No player's ever done that for for Britain in the Challengers. So, yeah, really promising for him. Just want to apologise about Kranovic's comments. I didn't realise he was having some family problems at the moment. So maybe I can sort of rule him out of that. Um, but, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realise that his uncle died and there's a few things happening in his personal life, which that's another thing we do need to factor in. We don't necessarily yeah. know what's happening behind the scenes with all of these players. But just from our view of if we don't know, this is just the way we see it. And this is what we do, just sharing our opinions and hopefully doing these things live with your opinions in real time as well. If you are watching this on repeat, make sure to comment the video and get back to as many of you as possible. Um, another big thing I just want to end on, 
I know we've, got, we've been speaking for a while, is just talk about the big three. And they there's, there's no two ways about it. Them guys are wired differently. They don't seem to be like the normal sportsmen. They're very much one-of-a-kind type athletes. Are we... Is it sort of the come down in the fact that we are comparing everyone to them? And ultimately, it makes everything look a bit more half-assed now because we've just had the highest of the high. And what we've been used to for sort of the last decade or so, or even longer, has been so good that now nothing seems good enough. I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. There's always going to be a bit of a come down since uh, these players have been so great. But... I just still think all you need to show is the desire and the attitude and that type of thing. That's all anybody wants to see is that you're trying like your full, like hardest to win a tennis match. Like every single ball gets chased down. You're sort of doing everything within your like tennis ability to win that match. And if the, that, if that gets seen by the crowd, you earn fans. And that's why Alcaraz is winning all the fans right now. It's, I don't see anybody else doing that same thing. Like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, you got Vantia saying, yes, JJ, that's also possible. Big three dominance has been great and bad for tennis. That's why they shouldn't have won slams four years ago for people to move on. Yeah, there's always going to be a transitional period. I think now is the time. Now is the transitional period. Now is the per- perfect opportunity to actually come up then against those players. Why are they all withdrawing? Players. Why is everyone withdrawing? Exactly. Why are not it doesn't playing? make sense. Like now is the time. You could actually play Novak Djokovic and potentially beat him. You could play Rafael Nadal, potentially beat him. Federer, for sure, you could probably beat him. Like if you've met Federer in one of these tournaments, he hasn't played in so long. So now's the opportunity that will get your name in the in like the headlights, let's say, or the floodlights or the stadium lights, whatever lights you want. You play one of those players, the whole world is watching. So put on your best performance. And we've seen when some players do it, they do it well. We've seen players like, well, what's it taken? Like Sinner barely ever manages to grab a set against Rafa. Alcaraz has managed to do it at his second attempt like get a set off him. So this type of thing is like how much is the will to win and how much are you progressing within your career? But I don't know. I don't want to keep bringing up the same names over and over, but obviously Medvedev, I think he can still definitely rise to the top again. I think it's just a little bit of a blip in his career at the moment. He's had a bit of a torrid time. I think everybody should sort of calm down. He's, he's had an injury, he's had the hernia, he's had an obviously devastating loss in a, in a Grand Slam final, which is probably hard to come back from a two sets to love, losing in five. Taylor Fritz has been good. Yeah, I think he's somebody that people are sleeping on a bit. Obviously, winning Indian Wells. A lot, of, a lot Wells. of the young Americans have been pretty impressive, I must admit. I mean, not seeing many withdrawals from them guys, uh, maybe on the women's and the over, but... Yeah, we've been talking for some time. Let us know in the comments section your thoughts. We're going to wrap this one up. Um, just certainly an interesting one to talk about because there's no yeah. two ways about it. I think we can all agree. In 2022, we are seeing a lot more withdrawals. We've seen a lot of players retiring early in matches and sets. And there seems to be a bit of a, a move and a transition to, I don't want to say giving up culture, but just maybe not a fighting culture of wanting well, to really push their bodies and push themselves. Well, that's literally just what I was about to say. The only people that we've sort of seen do that 
push yourself. Was, uh, we saw Holgerun. He obviously came from one tournament to the next tournament on the same day. Like that's showing the willingness to want to There's go and play tennis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, lo I love to see that. That's great. And yeah. uh, obviously Caboli as well. He played in a doubles final. That's great. Savio that's the Caboli, future of Italian tennis. Player. Fantastic player. That is the attitude that will win you fans. Yeah. If you can win two matches in a day in different tournaments from different countries, that puts you literally on my map, on my radar, as somebody who has will to win. And exactly. uh, yeah, hope he does think, well in the tournament. I think that's a really good place to end it. Nice, positive way to end. Thanks for watching, everyone. If you haven't already, hit the like button, subscribe if you're new, share it with your friends. Let I want to know. I want to hear as many people's opinions as possible on this. Let me know your fears on what is going on. Uh, are we over exaggerating? Oh, do we have a right to be worried? I'm here. Whatever you have to say, there's no there's no wrong opinion in this, and I'm no. interested to hear what everyone everyone's thoughts are. Uh, but we're going to sign this one off. It is our 342nd podcast. I never really bring that up. I used to always talk about it in the start of these podcasts <laughs> because I remember my introduction. I used to say, welcome back. This is the numbers. This is the seventh one. I used to always get the number wrong and Ben I used to have to edit it out. So <laughs> I'm going to just end on this one. This is our 342nd podcast. Uh, thanks for everyone who's been watching and supporting us on this journey. If you haven't already, subscribe and like and see you very soon for some Monte Carlo action. I think we're going to be covering Djokovic for Kina tomorrow. So see you guys there. See you then, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.